Welcome to episode 151 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. And this week we are kicking off our coverage of Season 7 episodes with Six Extinction and Six Extinction 2 Amor Fati. So these are the two-parters that actually wrapped up the three-parter with the end of Season 6 and the start of Season 7. And with our coverage of Season 7, I'm going to drop comparing the IMDb user scores before and after the Fox Marathon that led up to the release of Season 10, and we'll only be reporting the IMDb user scores as of the time of recording. So coming into Season 7, both parts in these two parters actually scored 8.1 out of 10. The original air dates were November's 7th and 14th of 1999. And a lot of the action takes place in Washington. Six Extinction also has a fair amount that takes place in Africa. And Amor Fati, the second part, has a lot that takes place inside Mulder's head. The first was written by Chris Carter and directed by Kim Manners. The second part was co-written by Duchovny and Carter and directed by Michael W. Watkins. With this one, Mulder actually did his draft of the second part prior to filming. He wrote it while Chris Carter was writing the first part. And then Carter just did another pass on the way out. Now, we have seen both Michael Watkins and Kim Manners as directors before. They're actually two of the more prolific directors in the X-Files. Manners ultimately directs about a quarter of the series. Watkins directs six episodes. This is his fourth. The plot here picks up, obviously, where Biogenesis left off, with Mulder institutionalized and apparently irrational. Scully in Africa investigating what appears to be a UFO that is engraved with a lot of the scriptures from human religions on one side, and a better understanding of human DNA than we even had now on the other. And while she's investigating that, trying to find a cure for Mulder, Mulder manages to communicate well enough with Skinner to have him bring in Michael Critchkow, who we last saw coming into Season 5. And they've seen it before and are trying to work with Mulder's psychic abilities. We get him doing a test similar to the standard test that Venkman was using at the start of Ghostbusters, which is why Mulder says, who are you going to call when he's picking out which screens the UFO is going to appear on, and does so eventually with a high degree of accuracy. He was a little early when they were coming up slowly, but as they sped up, things caught up. Now, Scully, while in Africa, keeps seeing images of a primitive man who's basically telling her this is not where you should be. She does return to America after those proddings, where she is visited by Albert Hostein, who helps her pray and try to find Mulder, who has been released from the hospital against medical recommendations by his mother, and is now in the custody of the cigarette-smoking man. In another blatant movie reference to the 80s, 
The teaser for the second part actually starts with the cigarette smoking man reaching out his hand to Mulder and saying, I am your father. Which is a deliberate homage, since Kim Manners had long since nicknamed cigarette smoking man the Darth Vader of the X-Files. Now, Scully is able to realize that Diana Fowley is involved, and she sort of plucks her conscience and her heartstrings to get her to help Mulder. And Fowley does manage to get Scully enough information to get through. Because of the psychic abilities that Mulder has during this process, he knows that Krychek has compromised Skinner, and there are no secrets from him. Skinner doesn't go into that much detail, but he does tell Scully to keep him out of it because he is in a compromised position. And Scully sees someone in his office attacking him. The viewers know it's Krychek, but Scully does not. Eventually, with the help of Diana Fowley and her resources, they manage to get Mulder out and he starts to recover. They did extract genetic material from him, which is supposed to render the human species immune to the coming viral apocalypse. So even though the syndicate has been destroyed and there are no more collaborators with the aliens, it seems like the alien schedule is still on track. Ultimately, we do find that you know what Mulder dreams of is a normal life with his sister back All the important people in his life, including Deep Throat, are there. But that's all hallucination. When he is recovering from the ordeal that Krichkow confirms, you know, it was in the book, and I don't remember seeing it on screen in the season six finale, but Krichkow confirms that Mulder has become an alien human hybrid because his exposure to the metal from the UFO has reactivated at least elements of the black oil virus that he was exposed to. Not quite sure why Krychek doesn't have the same experience still, but that's a story for another day. So ultimately, it's fairly strong. There's a definite style when David Duchovny writes he likes to have the dream sequences and sort of those fantasy elements so that what you're seeing on screen is not strictly real. That is quite common in the scripts he's written for the X-Files, I've noticed, including this one here. But it is generally entertaining, and the final appearance of a lot of our recurring guest stars. This is the final appearance of Mimi Rogers as Diana Fowley, who we find out through expository dialogue, was killed. Scully reports that they found her body. I personally think it would have been interesting to actually see that and have that scene in there, give her a proper death scene. but. That's not the way they chose to do it for one reason or another, quite possibly runtime, just to keep things focused on Mulder and Scully. Michael Ensign, who also appeared in Ghostbusters, which we previously mentioned, he appears for the final time in The Sixth Extinction. He was left behind in Africa when Scully came back. Janelle Kennedy plays Dr. Amina Ngebe, only in the first part of The Sixth Extinction. This is her only X-Files appearance. She's got 75 credits to her name, including Torchwood, Guess Who, Dreamgirls, Collateral, Me, You, and Everything. Conrad Roberts, 
plays the primitive man who keeps appearing to Scully in her visions. He's been working since the 1960s. Although he often has long periods where none of his work appears as credited on the IMDb. This is his only X-Files appearance. He's also known for The Mask of Zorro, The Scorpion King, A Wrinkle in Time, and Man on the Moon. This is John Finn's fifth and final appearance as Michael Krichkow. I do want to point out Abdullai Ngom, who was in the first part only. He was in a small part credited only as Driver. I doubt I would have remembered him in the original broadcast, but now when I see him, I recognize him immediately as Neskobaraloplop from 17 episodes of My Name is Earl. Now with other recurring characters, we get to the final appearance of Jerry Harden as Deep Throat. We get what is not the final appearance of Alex Krychek. Krychek appears in 23 episodes, and this is number 18. We have Michael Gray in his first appearance as Agent Flagler. It is not his last appearance in the series. He is best known for About 50, Ghost World, The Natural, and Life, with 36 credits to his name. This is not quite Rebecca Tulin's final episode as Tina Mulder. She does have two more episodes coming up. This is the final appearance of Floyd Red Crow Westerman as Albert Hosteen. Fifth and final, in fact, but that is pretty natural considering he also dies in this episode. This is Warren Sweeney's third and final appearance in the X-Files as Dr. Harriman, but he plays Dr. Harriman in all three of his appearances were in this three-parter, Biogenesis in both parts of Six Extinction. And then the final notable guest star to point out is Megan Leach as the adult Samantha Mulder. This is her fourth and final appearance in that role. So we do get some motion here. We find out with the syndicate gone that the alien invasion plans through the virus are still alive and well. It leaves the cigarette smoking man in a different position since now he considers himself the savior of the future human race with the genetic material that's coming from Mulder. But he's also lost his support. There is no syndicate anymore. And Diana Fowley is dead, probably at his hand or at his order. So everyone's in a different position. And Scully has seen a huge amount. She spent a lot of time working with this alien metal and the alien artifacts, which have healing and regenerative properties. Keep that in mind. She has seen the scriptures and primitive languages on here. She saw Floyd Redcrow Westerman in her apartment when he was in a coma several states away. It's at the point where it's going to be difficult to have Skelly deny the supernatural things that she's seeing anymore, especially with this two-parter here. And that's something that Gillian Anderson would often discuss with Chris Carter during this season. It was a problem that she had. Because, as we'll see, the show is built on that conflict between the believer and the non-believer. So she's still firmly in the non-believer role in some episodes to come, despite the experiences that she's had now. And Gillian Anderson, as well as a number of the viewers, were having a hard time reconciling that. In any event, that's about all we have to say about Six Extinction, Parts 1 and 2. 
Join us again in two weeks' time when we discuss Season 7, Episode 3, Hungry, as we then continue through the rest of Season 7. Now, there are no spoofs or parodies to cover in Season 7, so it is going to be bi-weekly right through the end of the season, and that coverage is due out in October 2019. Season 8, we're going to be seeing the lone gunman interspersed through. And then other parodies coming in through Season 9 and beyond. So join us again in the new year for Hungry. Thank you for listening.